Hello and welcome to the first HL Pension Pod podcast of 2023. I'm Duncan Buchanan, a partner in the pensions team, and I'm joined today by my fellow partner, Katie Banks. Katie, do you want to say hello to our listeners? Hi there, my name's Katie Banks. I'm a partner, as Duncan says, in the pensions team here. Now, those those keen listeners who listen to our December podcast will, will have heard me say we were going to look forward to 2023 in our first podcast episode of, of the new year. Uh, and we've noticed a number of other firms have come up with uh, podcasts uh, saying what, what what's going to happen in the the coming year. We thought we'd look at it a different way. So we've called this podcast The Changing DB Landscape in 2023. Um, can we start by setting the scene, Katie? What, what, where do you think your DB scheme clients are at the moment? We had a lot of fuss towards the end of last year about LDI and edging and things like that. What's your general overview of where, where schemes are? Strangely, I think most of my trustee clients are in a much better place than they have been for years. Many of them are much better funded and quite a few of them are looking at buy-ins five, six years ahead of where they thought they would be at, at this time. Uh, some of them are helped by the weakness of the pound. You know, if they have a foreign parent, the cost of... It's cheaper to write yeah, the cheque. Filling yep. the deficit is going to be... It, is a, is going to be cheaper so it's a really good time both in terms of pricing and for foreign parents um and as far as ldi is concerned my my schemes that had ldi in place provided they were able to provide the collateral in a, in a fast manner uh during the the, the quasi times uh they they've managed to keep their hedge on and um, LDI has done what it was supposed to do. Would you agree? Yeah, I think um, most of um, my trustee clients who I've touched in with on that um, have happily kept their collateral in place. They had contingency plans that that worked and they were pleased with that. Uh, and they feel that the hedging did the job it was supposed to do. Yes, it was a bit of a hectic time for trustees and, and, and investment managers. But we like to think we've come through it. And I think the coming year we'll see more schemes, as you, as you mentioned, reaching the golden, the gold mile, um, the golden spot of being able to go to a, a large insurer and, and a complete a buy-in. Would you, would you agree with that, Katie? Yes, I've got a lot more clients who are now getting their data in ship shape. We've started the benefit specifications. So I think there's going to be a bit of a crunch in the market there. And actually, it will be really important for schemes to make themselves look like um, a really good bet for the different insurers to make sure that they get um, a responsive uh, insurer who's willing to give them a price. Yes, because the insurers have to effectively invest in, in coming up with the initial quotes. And if there's lots of schemes around that are, are seeking... Uh, the, the attention of the insurers you want to you want to look your best um and last year we heard that one super fund had, had been authorized i think it's clara that the regulator has authorized that what are you seeing in the super fund regime just to remind listeners the super well remind listeners what a super fund is katie and what you're seeing in the market. So a super fund is an occupational DB plan that can take transfers from other 
DB plans, uh, the pension regulator has said that they can only be used in quite specific circumstances. So I think that the number of schemes that will find a super fund an attractive destination will be quite limited. And that's because the uh, trustees have to persuade themselves that um, a buyout is never never in prospect. Um, and they also have to be well enough funded that, that the PPF isn't likely to be the other solution. So uh, it's going to be quite a small minority of schemes for whom it is the right, uh, the right place to go. And so far as we've heard, there have been no transfers to super funds so far. I know a few... Uh, quite a few trustees have looked at it, but with the pension regulator guidance, it is hard to make um, make that solution be the right one. Yes, and for a trustee, it's difficult to be the the, the front runner, the yeah. first scheme to go in, particularly as insurance pricing has come down quite considerably, and the insurance route is is a more established route. Um, and then. I'm hearing on the grapevine that there are new ideas coming out, uh, the phrase capital-backed journey plans. Uh, are you seeing much in, in, in that marketplace at the moment? I'm seeing a bit, actually. Um, it is something that uh, em employers are exploring, hoping to find a more uh, cost-effective way to, to getting their pension schemes off their balance sheets. But uh, I think there was one last last year or maybe the year before. Um, but uh, but there's not a rush for those at the moment. Yeah. OK, so setting the scene, DB schemes are in a lot better funded position than they were. Um, and now let's look at the political and regulatory uh, landscape. Um, loads of change coming through or has happened. Uh, we've got a new pensions minister, Guy Oppermann is no longer the pensions minister. Do you... Yes, we've got um, a new um, Secretary of State for the Department of Work and Pensions, Mel Stride, and uh, Laura Trott has been appointed as the new pensions minister. So we've got a completely new team in, and, and that does make it more difficult for us to predict um, what their passions will be and what will be their priorities. Um I mean, one of the interesting things, of course, is that the Conservative government like to think of themselves as a, a, a government that is not particularly keen on regulation uh, or more regulation. But we seem to be still having more regulation coming down the line. And, and I don't know whether they are going to prioritise the same things as Guy Opperman. Yeah, well, it, he, he is now the Minister for Labour, so he's still at the DWP, yeah. isn't he? Have we heard much from Laura Trott? I haven't heard much from Laura Trott. People who've come across her have been quite positive actually um i've heard a good listener and um, asking good questions so i'm hopeful good she's presumably getting her feet under the table and there's quite a lot for her to digest that's in the pipeline um, and as well as that anthony arter has, has re retired or he's moved on from being the pensions ombudsman I think he's staying on as a deputy ombudsman to, to finish some cases. Yes, I also heard he's joining the regulator's determinations panel. I, I heard that. Yeah, too. and I was quite pleased to see that a lawyer was joining the determinations panel. Yes. Um, so, yes, we're going to get Dominic Harris as the new pensions ombudsman, yeah. um, formerly a partner at Cameron McKenna, so well-versed in pension law. So we'll expect uh, good determinations from him. Yeah. Um, what about... What's happening at the pensions regulator, TPR? Well, Charles Council's term of office has come to an end and Norsica Delfas is taking over. Uh, she's currently at the FCA in charge of governance. It will be interesting to see um, how she um, 
takes up her role. Uh, interestingly, also David Fairs, who's currently the chief uh, in charge of the policy, director of policy, director and of policy, lots of other things. The DB pensions is also stepping down, and we don't know who's replacing him. But obviously, he's been very influential in relation to the new funding code. Um, it, so that that will appointment will be quite important for RDB clients. Yes. Uh, so all these changes, both at the, at the regulator and, and politicians, um, do you sense that there might be a change of direction? We've got lots of things out for consultation, single codes, we've got funding codes, TCFD reporting, lots of things like that. Do you sense that it might take a different direction. You mentioned earlier a uh, Conservative government doesn't, well, prides itself on not over-regulating. What, what are your thoughts? I, I feel it's too early to say at the moment, Duncan. I, I haven't seen anything from the new team, but it would be good if they have a take stock and have a look at what, what they're planning to send out to the industry and prioritise those things that, which they think will actually add value. I'm a bit worried that we might be getting um, a, a load more regulation where trustees are asked to write documents that nobody ever reads. Yes, um, such as chair's statements and TCFD, uh, that's Task Force of Climate Financial Disclosures. We'll come on to that in, in, a, in a minute. So um, looking forward, 2023, it's likely to be a busy year. Uh, I'm Pleased to say that uh, just before Christmas, I, I drafted some communications to deal with a GMP conversion project. It's quite disappointing for me that here we are coming up for five years after the, the Lloyd's judgment, the first judgment in 2018. Um, most of my ongoing schemes have yet to uh, grasp the nettle and, and do GMP equalisation. Um, I'm minded that some schemes that have, that I've been involved with, some pensioners were getting 10, 20,000 pounds back payments. And if I were a trustee, I'd want to get on with that. Uh, what are your thoughts on GMP equalisation and what's holding it up, Katie? Well, I think initially we were waiting to get more guidance on how you might do it because it's a very complicated project and you want to get it right. I think now um, quite a lot of the problem is that all the schemes are trying to do GMP equalisation at the same time and we're just asking too much of the administration industry to get all the data sorted. Um, some of my clients have been in a queue for over a year waiting for their data to be sorted out and available for um, all the calculations to be done. Yes, I, I think I feel sorry for pension scheme administrators in the coming year. Not only do they have to do the day-to-day -day work of calculating benefits and paying benefits as the, uh, for, for members of schemes, but there's a huge amount we're asking of them. So we've got GMP equalisation. We talked about preparing for buy-in. And, else, the, and then, of course, um, dashboards is going to be another huge um, project for them. Uh, they'll have to be able to link up with the new dashboard infrastructure or ecosystem, as it's called in the uh, regulations. And, you know, and that's going to have to be a robust system because obviously members data is going to be flying through uh, these platforms. 
And uh, I think it's just another big, big project. And and, this, and the different staging dates are not that far um, apart. And the soonest one is this summer, I think. It's August, I think. Yeah. For the largest schemes, it's August. And you have to put up-to-date uh, values for, for DB pensions, for, for uh, sorry, deferred members' DB benefits. You don't need to put pensions on, is my understanding. But that's going to be a, a massive task for all schemes. And... As, as you know, we've discussed, I, I have fears about how the public sector schemes are going to integrate to pension dashboards. And really, you need everyone on the dashboard before it can be opened out to the public. Um, so I, it, it may be a while. Uh, let's, let's put it like that. We are having a seminar, aren't we, on in March 14th of March, where yep. we're going to be talking about dashboards. Um, yes, and uh, Chris Curry, who's uh, at the dashboard delivery um, service, is going to come in and be part of that. Discussion. He's our guest speaker. Yep. So he's Mr. Mr. Pension Dashboard. Um, so invites for that will be going out in, in, in the coming weeks. Um, we also, I've already touched on Task Force for Climate uh, Financial Disclosures, TCFDs. Uh, to date, all only the really large schemes and master trusts have had to comply. But some of my some of our schemes, we 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 did some disclosures last year, but we have a number of uh, significantly larger number of schemes that are now going to do it. If they had assets of over a billion pounds in their last uh, report and accounts, they are now required to comply with TCFD. And whilst you don't have to produce your report until seven months after the end of the scheme year, there are certain things that you have to do within the scheme year to comply with the regulations. So you have to select which uh, climate change indicator you're going to use. It's it's a complicated uh, subject. And we'll be doing more on TCFD disclosures and reporting requirements uh, later this year. Uh, so that's a, a watch this space. So much on the agenda. We also have um, the scheme funding regime. Do you want to talk about that? The, the, the guidance came out just before Christmas, the regulators draft guidance. Yes, I mean, I I have to say that I'm feeling a little bit depressed about it because we had a set of regulations and they were consulted on and we're led to believe that they got quite a lot of feedback on those regulations, which may well lead to change. And, and a lot of people were concerned about the amount of restriction there was on schemes that had reached significant maturity. And when I heard David Fairs speak, he said he was about to issue the draft consult the consultation on the draft code and we should bear in mind that the regulations were still in draft form and may well change and I, I was hoping that the consultation on the draft code would reflect where he thought the regulations were going not where they had been when they were last consulted on but but the the consultation does seem to reflect the existing form of the regulations and so I think that the code could change quite a lot from from the format on which they're consulting right now so it's it's hard to um know how hard to engage with the consultation because you you don't know which bits they've already scheduled for change yes i think you mentioned there was a kfi for the regulator yes um one of the um regulators kpis was KPIs. yes kpi was um to to do this consultation and they were supposed to have done it by march 2022 
And I saw that they had their knuckles wrapped for failing on four of their KPIs, this being one of them. So I don't know if that was something that they, they pushed they it, had to rush it through. They pushed it out anyway. Yeah, or, or maybe they're not getting the same steer from the DWP as, as they had under the previous pensions minister. We just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Well, I'm sorry you're depressed about that. Can I cheer you up with a, a bonfire of EU regulations? Well, well, maybe it does cheer me up, actually, because the bonfire bill worries me even more. <laughs> um, I can't believe we're going to have a bill where only legislation that's listed is saved and you just have to work out what's not listed and all that. Anything that's derived from EU law, which isn't listed, won't be law anymore. That is quite scary. We were discussing it at our group group lunch earlier today. And when you think about the influence that European law has had on occupational pensions in, in the UK, you know, we had equal treatment, part-timers, we've had all the what are called IORP directives that gave us scheme funding, the PPF. They're, go they're going to take away all that legislation unless they put it on a list. Is that... That's, that's our understanding. Now, it might be that the government decides to carve out from that all legislation that Im impacts on occupational pension schemes. But then you and I will be asked by our clients whether particular pieces of legislation impact on occupational pension schemes. And so, for example, general data protection regulation, is that one that is saved or not saved? Because it does impact on pension schemes, yep. but it's not really aimed solely at pension schemes. Or well, general corporate law. You know, applies to a corporate trustee, which is an uh, which operates an occupational pension scheme. Well, wow, that that's quite scary, and and that takes effect on in December this year. Yes, yeah, so the they have what's called the sunset clause, which is the date on which this legislation ceases to apply, and that is December twenty twenty three. Wow! So I won't know what the law is in December twenty twenty four because some provisions that may have come from European law are now no longer part of English law. Yeah. Um, and one, I think people have started to become alert to how uh, far-reaching this move could be. Um, I understand the, the government has been criticised for its impact assessment. Um, not fit for purpose, I think, was the quote that was used. Well, I think they found another 1,400 laws that the, the government had overlooked that were derived from European law. So, and, and I've heard that the age discrimination legislation was one of those ones that they only found on the second sweep through. What they, they hadn't twigged that age discrimination was because of a European yep. directive. Oh, well, uh, as, as you say, you're even more depressed. Uh, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't be depressed. I mean, one of the things about pensions is that nothing ever stays the same. And that's what makes life exciting and interesting. But it, but it does mean that we may be um, not able to give our clients as much uh, certain advice as we, we would like. Yeah. Well, on that happy note, uh, may I um, bring this webinar, this, this podcast to, to an end. But before doing, remind listeners that we have a joint webinar with our friends from PwC on the 31st of January. Uh, the subject of that is the DB funding code and, and the um, things Katie was talking about, the, the regulator's guidance. Um, I mentioned our dashboard seminar, which will be an in-person event. Uh, and do please keep an eye out for the, the next HL 
pension podcast, which uh, hopefully will be coming out in, in February. Actually, Duncan, just on the joint webinar, mm. uh, one of our speakers is Katie Lightstone, who has actually been working with the pensions regulator on the draft code. So she may be able to provide more insight than you and, insight. you and I have. Yep. Good. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today, Katie, uh, and sharing your views for the coming year. Um, until next time. Uh, thanks very much, Duncan. <laughs>